Welcome to the Doodle Kisses podcast, an extension of doodlekisses.com. I'm your host, Adina Pearson. Doodlekisses.com is the social network for Labradoodle and Golden Doodle owners, wannabe owners, and the Doodle Curious. The goal of this podcast is to provide education, entertainment, and connect with our Doodle Kisses members on the topic of Labradoodles, Golden Doodles, and dogs in general. Today, we're talking photography with Doodle Kisses member, Camilla. She learned a lot of what she knows by learning to photograph her golden doodle, Darwin. So what better person to invite to speak to us today but her? Camilla has generously dedicated a lot of her time to our photography group and to individual members of Doodle Kisses. She's helped with suggestions, lessons, and edits, both just for fun and for those who wanted to get their doodles photos into our annual calendars. She's a very kind and thoughtful person overall, and I'm very thankful she was willing to chat with me about doodle photography. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Camilla. Welcome to the Doodle Kisses podcast. It's good to be here. So excited to have you. Tell us your dog story. So I grew up a dog lover and I'd kind of planned when I had my own house and I got my own dog to get a giant breed. I've always loved them. And I chose a great Dane actually. And then I just spontaneously, uh, someone had an older puppy, 16 weeks that they couldn't keep and they wanted to, you know, find another home for him. And it was just very spontaneous. I saw his picture and I was like, all the planning went out the window I fell in love. We brought him home and I was a little bit um, unprepared, I think, because I didn't know anything about doodles at that point, which is actually how I found doodle kisses because I was like, I need, I need help. So you um, had mentioned before that you did a lot of reading mm-hmm. before you were set up to get this great Dane puppy. Uh, mm-hmm. What kind of reading and preparation did you do? I had looked up everything from their typical behaviors, things that to struggle with, how fast they grow, food that's good for a Great Dane, you know, just what to look for in a Great Dane breeder, all that kind of stuff. And I think giant breeds are so specific. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think maybe one of the biggest shortfalls in my research was actually just from a Great Dane to a a Golden Doodle was grooming. Right. (laughs) I was not prepared for the grooming. But yeah, it was interesting. It was, I I think, ultimately a very good thing that it happened. Yeah. Now, do, had you heard of Golden Doodles or anything like that before? I had not. Okay. So this was just like when you said spontaneous, it was just like, I have no idea, but he's really cute. Yeah, exactly. He looked just like a teddy bear. And I was like, I have to. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't heard of them before. I don't think I'd heard of anything except maybe a cockapoo. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't really seen any. This was in 2009. So it was, you know, a bit early, I guess, before. I think maybe the trend was starting, but I'm not really sure about the timeline. I hadn't seen them everywhere like you do now. Okay. So how old is Darwin now? He turned 10 in May. He's just a little bit older than my Boca. Oh, maybe a year. I can't believe Boca is 10. Yeah, me neither. That's crazy. <laughs> So you got this cute little fluffy thing and Mm -hmm. it was kind of a big learning curve. How did you end up learning about photography and getting into photography? Well, 
I joined Doodle Kisses to learn about, you know, the grooming. As soon as I picked him up and held him and stuff, I was like, grooming is going to be a thing with this dog. (laughs) And I wanted to know, you know, life expectancy and traits and all those kind of things. And that's how I found Doodle Kisses. And once I did, I found the photography group. I just had like casually played around with like a point and shoot camera. And so I was interested and I saw these beautiful photos from a member of her dog, Banjo, and they were so beautiful. And I was like, I want to take photos like that of my dog. And so I bought a camera. <laughs> like she literally is the reason why I bought my camera actually. Wow. But I just really wanted to take great photos of him. He's so cute. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what I was doing. And so, yeah, I bought my camera and I just started experimenting, really. Yeah, and I can attest Darwin is beautiful. I haven't met him in real life, but I've seen lots of his photos. And he's got that perfect 50-50 golden retriever Mm -hmm. poodle coat. He's cream and he's just, yeah, gorgeous. Does he shed? No, he doesn't Mm -hmm. shed, but he definitely mats. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it takes a lot of brushing. So you started getting into photography, just learning on Doodle Kisses and looking at Banjo's photos and getting, you got yourself a camera. How Mm -hmm. did you go from, yeah, I love taking pictures of my dog with my great new camera to a photography business? I can be a little bit obsessive with my hobbies. And so (laughs) I started doing it aggressively, (laughs) started, you know, posting my photos of Darwin and people kind of started coming to me just in my neighborhood, friends, family, and asking if I could take pictures of them. I'm sure that people who have cameras or a little bit of experience will relate to the fact that if you have a camera, people find you and they're Mm -hmm. like, hey, Christmas cards or, you know, whatever. So I just started doing it casually. And I would say within a year, I was doing multiple sessions a month and kind of, it was like my college job, I guess. Awesome. And what are you doing now? I'm a full-time photo editor. So I retouch photos and, you know, make selections and do stuff like that. And then I I do photography still on the side, but more infrequently. Mm-hmm. And she is a wonderful photo editor. I mean, I'm sure she can do more than what I've seen. <laughs> you can do a lot more. That's your job. But there's been a few times as I'm preparing the Doodle Kisses calendar that I'll have a photo that I just need, needs lighting touch up or it needs like this tree or leash gone. And I've sent things to Camilla before, please help. And she generously (laughs) donates her time and expertise to make that picture what it should be. The photo calendar has always been a really fun project for photo editing. (laughs) I've always, I've always loved it. Okay. So I really want to get some of your tips for the average dog owner if they're thinking, man, I really want to step up with my photos and get better at photography or, you know, make it into the Doodle Kisses calendar more often or whatever, what are some, you know, basic tips that you can give people when it comes to taking photos of their dogs? So tips that wouldn't involve owning a DSLR camera, just, you know, a phone camera, point and shoot, whatever it is that you have. I would say be very aware of your background you do not want a cluttered background. And I think that's one of the common things that you tend to not think about when you're taking photos of your dog, especially because they can tend to be very, you grab it really quick or you lose your chance. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, playing in the yard or out on a walk or something like that can be a great opportunity because you have more light outdoors and you're dealing with less clutter inside of a home. Yeah, just 
more streamlined backgrounds, you know, some greenery like a bush or maybe a fence or just something that's a little bit less overwhelming than, you know, maybe a section of your living room or something can really draw the focus onto your doodle. Mm -hmm. And then I think lighting is a big one. I think you can make different lighting work. Direct lighting can be helpful to get the shadows in the eyes lifted, you know, uh, especially with doodles, they are furry. And so you tend to get really, really dark pits instead of eyes in photos. Mm -hmm. So if your dog is like, say, running towards you in the sun, towards the sun, that can be a really good way to uh, light up their eyes. But in general, I would say try to avoid mixed lighting. Try to avoid, you know, half of them is in shadow, half of them is in light. Maybe move to the shade or maybe have them facing the sun in full sunlight so you don't experience that some parts of the image are black, some parts of the image are white. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. You want the sunshine behind you, the photographer, like Mm -hmm. this is your lighting (laughs) shining at the dog. Exactly. And I think in general, just a great lighting tip is don't shoot in the middle of the day if you can avoid it. (laughs) The closer it is to sunset or the closer it is to sunrise, the lighting is going to be a lot softer and you'll be amazed at what a difference the lighting will be between, you know, 5 p.m. and noon. It's Mm -hmm. just so much better. Yeah. Otherwise you get blowouts, right? Yes. Or what is it? Is that the right word? Yeah. The highlights will be blown out, which means they're pure white and there's no more information in the image. So yeah, when you're, when you're shooting, we call it golden hour, but it's like close to sunset. Everything is so evenly lit and it's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, shooting during that time is better. If you are shooting indoors, you know, next to a window can be a really great option, but again, just watch your backgrounds. Right. You don't want the light to be behind the dog because then the dog is a big shadow. Yeah. I think backlighting can sometimes work, but it is a lot more challenging. I think it's easier to deal with, you know, more facing into the sunlight with dogs. Mm -hmm. And if your lighting isn't too harsh, that shouldn't be a problem. This episode is sponsored by Adina Pearson Nutrition. That's right. When I'm not talking doodle, I'm helping women of all ages find peace and joy with food. I'm a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor specializing in eating disorders, emotional eating, and breaking free from yo-yo dieting. If you're tired of food controlling your life or simply feel confused about what, when, or how you're supposed to eat, I can help you restore peace, joy, and confidence to your eating. While I'm based in Washington, telehealth technology allows me to work with clients through many areas of the United States. And if you do live in Washington, I accept most insurance plans. Visit Adina Pearson Nutrition online to learn more at adinapearson.com. Don't spend another day fighting with food and your body. Reach out today to start your journey toward a healthy life that's free of food worries. You go to great lengths to take care of your doodle's health. Don't forget to invest in your health and happiness too. Yeah, I wanted to touch back on backgrounds. And I spoke about this with Lori on a previous podcast that hasn't aired yet. Just the way that us dog owners look at our dogs is we look at them with our hearts. And so we see the dog and we don't really notice like, oh, there's a, you know, piano leg in this corner and there's Mm -hmm. like half a couch over here and there's a dog toy there and oh look the trash can like you don't see that you see the Mm -hmm. dog 
when you're looking with your eyes, you can focus differently than when you have a photo of that same scene, you see everything. So clutter doesn't mean that you live in an episode of hoarders. It doesn't mean that your house is actually super messy. It just means that you have to like look at the picture that you're about to take and see if all of those things, like if you were to choose the background, would you want that thing in the composition? Or -hmm. would that be like, hmm, I don't think that looks good. There's this sticking out from behind the dog's ear and it it starts to look busy when you look at it from that perspective. Well, and again, even things that look great in person, like say a couch with pillows and a plant. And I mean, sometimes those things can look great in photos, but if you're trying to focus the attention on your dog, you want the attention to be on your dog. And Mm -hmm. a simple background is just going to allow you to focus on the dog instead of, you know, your eyes kind of wanting to go everywhere. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a plain wall might end up being a lot better for a photo than a corner of even a designed living room just because you want that focus to be on them. Right, right. And I think a vast majority of the pictures we I choose for the Doodle Kisses calendar ends up being outdoors just because it's so hard to get a great indoor shot unless you've really set it up or you just got really lucky. Mm-hmm. So backgrounds and lighting, anything else that you think, you know, just with my phone, some tips that I might use? I think one of the biggest things with dog photography is expression and getting your dog to look engaged, excited, look at you. Believe it or not, Darwin is actually not a cooperative dog for photos. (laughs) Uh, I'll take like 500 photos and get one, but I do have a couple of tips for that that I've learned over the years. How do you get him to look at you and not purposely away? So there's a few different approaches based on what your dog is motivated by. For a lot of dogs, it's just a tennis ball. A lot of dogs are very, very motivated by a toy or a tennis ball. And having that toy, holding it you know, right above your phone or your camera so that you're getting that attention on you mm-hmm. is really crucial. I think it, it's usually more effective if you're actually playing a game of fetch or something like that so that they have a break in the middle and they're not losing attention. And just you know, using that. Some dogs, it's food. If they're very food motivated, you can take, you know, a small training treat and put it above your camera and get them to look at you. That actually doesn't work with Darwin because he's so food motivated that he gets very drooly and slobbery uh-huh. <laughs> as soon as you pull out treats and it gets really grody really quickly. What I found works with most dogs, I used to do uh, for a couple of years, I volunteered at a shelter. And so it was very much like random dogs I've never met before. And you have a very short amount of time. And the the thing that was the most effective is a clear plastic squeaker Uh that you can buy on Amazon, like a set of 12 or whatever. And you hold it between your teeth. And right before you take the picture, you bite down on it and squeak and the dog will look at you. (laughs) So noisemakers are a really great way to get them to perk their ears, tilt their head and look at you for a quick photo, but just be ready. Oh, I like that clear squeaker idea. Um, What about, um, and this may get into using like, you know, a a better camera than just a phone, but black dogs are traditionally pretty hard to photograph so that they don't look just like Mm -hmm. a blur or a black blob and white dogs have their own challenges. So could we talk a little bit about that? Give us some suggestions for those who have black dogs. There are ways around this if you do have a camera that you can alter the settings. But if you're just dealing with a smartphone or a point and shoot, or even if you just don't have time or desire to do those things, I would say try to stick with 
if you are shooting, let's say a white dog, don't shoot them on very dark backgrounds because that does tend to confuse the camera a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you have really, really dark foliage and a white dog, it's going to try to make the foliage kind of a middle tone and it will blow the dog out. It'll Mm. be pure white. And so it can confuse cameras. So if you do have a dog that's pitch black or really light, trying to stick with a similar, I'm not sure if, is the word tone? Maybe. Lightness or darkness, I guess, Mm -hmm. can really help the camera take the picture. You know, the camera is always going to try to average it out to a mid-tone gray. And so helping it out by not having extreme contrast will make the photo better overall. Oh, that's a great tip. I'm thinking of one, and I can't think of the name of this dog, but a dog on Instagram that is as close to white as you can get. And he's always on a cream or white background and he always Mm -hmm. looks beautiful. Yeah. I think it's just so much easier for, especially like a phone camera to deal with if it's similar shade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Tone? Makes, I'm not sure what the word is, but yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I've even, and I don't know if this is, if this actually is a tip, but I've seen pictures of black puppies on black backgrounds and they actually look pretty cute like that too. Cause the mm-hmm. black background is, you know, completely black and obviously a dog has some different shades and tones. What would be different about black dogs? Well, again, like with black dogs, I think if you're shooting on a really, really white background, it's going to be very confusing for the camera. So maybe you stick with a middle tone or darker. Mm-hmm. So the camera doesn't have this like deep shadow on them and it can actually, you know, I think the reason why black dogs can be tricky is because sometimes it's way too dark and you can't see any detail, but sometimes the camera will try to lighten the image so much that they're gray. Mm. And so, yeah, I guess just trying to make it as easy as possible for the camera mm-hmm. by sticking with similar shades. Great idea. And so you we sort of touched upon like blowing out a coat with lighting. Mm-hmm. And I've seen lots of photos like that of a white dog and bright sunshine. And maybe the whole back of the dog looks about the same shade as the sunshine. And mm-hmm. so you can't even tell that there's a coat or texture or anything there. So would you say that, you know, you need to get in the shade with that dog or if you happen to be out and it's super bright? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, if you're shooting a white dog and it's not golden hour, it's more towards the middle of the day, it might be a better choice to go find some shade, find the side of a building, you know, something like that. So that that sun isn't hitting them because, you know, even sometimes in the afternoon, three, 4 PM, I mean, different based on time of year, but when I'm shooting Darwin, the outside ring of his fur will be (laughs) gone. You know, it'll just be white. So I do think that shade is going to allow the camera to preserve details a lot easier. Yeah, good idea. And should we jump into just basic tips with the DSLR camera for those wanting to use that? Yeah, if you have a DSLR camera, I found that it can be very overwhelming when you look up settings and how to learn them. And my approach was a little bit different than some people. So basically, you've got three legs of a stool. That's kind of how people like to describe it. And it's shutter speed, which is the amount of time that the shutter is open. And it deals more with the speed of your subject. The aperture controls the depth of field. So how much of your image is in focus, and that's how wide the shutter opens. And the ISO is how sensitive the sensor is to light. So it can help you lighten your photo, but when you get very high ISOs, that's when you start to get grain in images. Mm. And they all work together to expose an image correctly. I think that it can be very confusing when you just look at them all at once. 
So the way that I learned was on a DSLR, it will have modes and the modes will let you choose aperture priority, shutter speed priority, or full manual. And so what I did and what we did in the Doodle Kisses photography group for our lessons is to choose aperture priority first. And what that does is the camera will choose automatically your shutter speed and your ISO and you choose the aperture and go out and shoot. Just experiment and see what it's like and see what changing the aperture does to your photos. And once you've kind of gotten a handle on that, then move to shutter speed priority and let the camera choose your aperture and your ISO and just change your shutter speed and see what that does to your images. And once you've kind of gotten a handle on that, then you can move into full manual and kind of work those two in with the ISO. And so I think, first of all, real world practical experience is so much easier for me personally than reading technical descriptions. That's just how I learn. Mm -hmm, Me too. But also just taking it one piece at a time, I think can make it a lot less overwhelming. So don't be afraid to experiment and just see what changing things does to your photos. And don't be afraid to take it one piece at a time. And again, like that's what we did in the Doodle Kisses group. And I think, you know, we kind of all learned together and we just experimented. And I think it made it fun and less overwhelming. Yeah, that photography group helped so many people and we would have like a monthly assignment, you know, like Mm -hmm. action shots or flowers or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it really got people out there with their cameras and experimenting and then sharing and learning from one another. So, you know, when I think of shutter speed, I think of those old tiny cameras where they would set up the camera with that cloth over it (laughs) and then they would, you know, put the family there and the family had to hold still and not move for, I don't even. I don't know how long, 30 seconds, Mm -hmm. a minute. Um, Mm -hmm. And that shutter speed was really slow, right? Mm -hmm. So it let a lot of light in, but you couldn't move. (laughs) Whereas Mm -hmm. on the other end, if you're doing like sports photography or like dogs running, the shutter speed is really fast Mm -hmm. and it doesn't let a lot of light in because it's so quick, right? Yeah. So theoretically, if you're taking pictures of a dog running or in action, you want the shutter speed really fast. Is that the right word or is it? It is. Yeah. And it's, it's measured in seconds. So a slow one would be, you know, less than one thirtieth of a second, you know, Uh one second, a really fast one would be one two thousandth of a second. Wow. So very fast. Okay. I think I, those numbers are starting to ring a bell. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so then would you set the ISO to, to be more sensitive to light then? In those situations, yeah, I mean, no? in general, if you have to have a really fast shutter speed to capture that dog running, it mm-hmm. means that either your aperture will have to be wider, which means that less of your photos will uh, less of your photo will be in focus. Meaning, when I say that, I don't mean that your image will be blurry. Well, it will be, but what I mean is, imagine a dog. If your aperture is very wide, say f two, their eyes will be in focus if you're focusing on their eyes, but their nose might be a little bit blurry. Mm-hmm. So. If you widen your aperture to account for that high shutter speed, maybe the background will be a little bit more blurry. And this is a matter of personal taste. I personally always love my backgrounds to be blurred. Some Mm -hmm. people prefer everything to be in focus. So that's a personal choice. If you don't want to widen your aperture, if you want everything to be in focus, then maybe what you need to do is raise your ISO. Mm -hmm. So that's just kind of a general overview of if you're going to reduce the light through your shutter speed, then you need to account for that in the other two. And that's kind of how they work together. 
Okay, this is great. So would you say there's any, do you have any suggestions or advice for taking photos for something specific like Instagram versus taking photos, you know, as a photographer in a business, you know, where people want to have printed pictures or anything else? I would say with Instagram, this sounds really, really basic, but keep a, keep keeping aware that you might be cropping it square is something that took me a really long time to grasp. Uh, Mm -hmm. When I compose an image, that's not something that I think about. So I think that specifically composing for that can be useful. I also think that I personally post photos with my DSLR on my Instagram. I rarely take phone photos, but I've always believed that like the best camera is the one that you have. The best camera is the one that you'll use. So if you are posting on Instagram, maybe it doesn't make as much sense for you to take pictures with a DSLR, edit them, send them to yourself, download them, and then upload them to Instagram. You know, maybe it means getting a nice phone camera and really figuring out how your phone works. Mm -hmm. Totally a matter of personal preference, but, you know, being aware of the composition. I guess another thing to keep in mind would be the compression that happens with Facebook and Instagram and things like that. And different people found different success with different things. You can look up the actual dimensions of what Instagram will crop your image to or what Facebook will crop an image to. And sometimes resizing to those dimensions can help. But for me personally, I upload full resolution images to all of my social media uh, just to make sure that it's really crisp. Okay. Awesome. And I am not careful enough (laughs) to try to get things to be perfect for Instagram. I just use what I have. Let's see. So tell me a little bit about Darwin and his any fun personality quirks. Darwin is very goofy. He's, he is a very sweet dog. He's very like a bumbling kind of clumsy, goofy type of doodle. I hear a lot about like those very athletic, intelligent doodles. (laughs) He's not that kind. He has like this, he's very good at his sit command, but I don't know if you've ever seen the difference between a dog that's sitting, I guess, in quotations correctly, but Darwin sits back with his legs sprawled out on either side, (laughs) if that makes sense. Uh So he almost sits like directly on his tail with his legs spread out on either side, like I guess a lazy sit. Uh And he's very, very food motivated. So we'll take him out in the morning and we give him a little biscuit in the morning And he will get so excited every single morning for this little tiny biscuit that he'll try to pretend like he's gone to the bathroom so that he can come in faster. And we have to make him stand there and make him go to the bathroom before he can get it. And it's just so funny. You know, it's been 10 years and he still does this every morning. But It makes me wonder, does he, is he doing it on purpose every time? Or is like, has he learned a routine where that, you know what I mean? Like, is it just like the habit to... He has to fake it first. Yeah. I don't know, but it's just so funny. Like it's this little biscuit, but every single morning he will come bounding back inside, just like so, so excited, slipping on our floors for this <laughs> tiny little thing. But oh, I love Darwin. Yeah. He sounds like my kind of dog, like just big, goofy, like bumbling. Yeah. He's very sweet and good natured. Uh huh. And you said, you've said before that he gets along well with kids and other dogs and. Absolutely. I think we got really lucky with just his natural behaviors because he is very 
calm. He's very sweet. He, he loves people, loves other dogs. He's not a barker, which I feel very lucky about. Like if someone comes to the door, he might bark once, but loses interest very quickly. And so I think he's just been a perfect first dog. You know, he's, he's so easygoing. Are you going to get another doodle? I really don't know. Honestly, I'm such a dog lover that I always assumed that when I had my own home and everything, I would always own a dog. But, you know, now that Darwin's 10 and I don't mean to be morbid, but I guess now that he's getting older, I've started to think about it. And I honestly don't know if I can even get another dog, at Mm -hmm. least not for a long time. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't really anticipate it, but I feel like I don't feel like emotionally I would want another dog for Mm -hmm. at least a few years after. Mm -hmm. Not sure. I just feel like they won't be him, you know? Yeah, totally. That's how I felt after Roscoe passed. I'm like, there's not, there's not another dog. (laughs) Like there's, it's impossible. And then like a few months went by and I got puppy fever all spring and all Mm -hmm, summer. mm -hmm. And I still, it's still there. (laughs) I still feel like I need a puppy, but I, I'm not quite in the same place now Mm -hmm. to just like get one, you know, like I feel like it comes and goes. Yeah. Yeah. I have to set up so many more things. And when we had the foster, suddenly my house seemed way smaller than it was when we had Mm -hmm. three dogs because it went, we went from one to two and he was a puppy and bounding everywhere. And I'm, it seems like disproportionately difficult to go from one to two or from two to three, not like just twice as hard, but it's like, because they play off of each other, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've, I've babysat like family members, dogs and stuff before. And it's crazy to me how much of a difference it makes, but it is obviously there are pros and cons. Yeah. And, and different, you know, Facebook groups on doodle kisses. Most people say like, Oh, I've never go back to one dog too. It's so wonderful. But it's not like you're having these parallel lives, just being this like a double version of your current dog. They're interacting and they're playing and they're roughhousing. And once you have them, you don't want to go back. But when you're back at one, you're like, do I really want to pick up more poop? Mm-hmm. Do I want to, right now I can just take Boca anywhere. Can I, you know, would I want to have two on a leash? And can I mm-hmm. visit my friends and relatives with two dogs? You know, all these things that make me hesitant. And yet I still want multiple dogs at the same time. Can I survive grooming for two doodles? Yeah. I don't know how people do it. I don't either. But it is so fun to see them like, developing a relationship with each other and playing with each other. And I can totally understand the joy of owning multiple doodles. I just, I don't know if I'd be ready, but I mean, every time I see puppies, I, it doesn't even matter what kind of puppy it is. Any puppy, I'm immediately like, I need another one right now. (laughs) Exactly. Absolutely. And when you're on different, you know, groups where people announce their new puppy, you're probably Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, what about me? I need one too. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Anything else that you want to share about Darwin or photography? Try to have fun. I think that sometimes it can be very overwhelming to dive in because you feel like there's so much, but it's okay to just do one thing at a time. You know, it's okay to be like, I want to figure out how to get a picture of my dog playing fetch. And, you know, there are so many resources out there. And that's, that is one tip I have is creative live is a great resource. If you're trying to learn more about photography, YouTube, is a great resource. Doodle Kisses Photography Group is a great resource. And those are all things that I used. And and feel free to like just look up one thing, you know, like how to take a picture of your dog playing fetch or, mm-hmm. you know, just things like that and, and learn one step at a time. And before you know it, like you'll be so much more comfortable. And I would also say, again, 
the two main things, be aware of your lighting and be aware of your backgrounds. I think those are the two biggest ones. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I so agree with the fun. Um, This is not dog related at all, but many years ago I went to, why did I do this? Was I supposed to help? I don't remember, but I had some friends just several houses down the road who had some goats. And for some reason I decided I needed to go over there and take pictures of them. Maybe it was a doodle kisses photography assignment. I have no idea, but I don't really like goats. They scare me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're always trying to nibble at something. And like, they have these little horns, even if they're cut off, I'm, I'm just, they make me uneasy. Um, but they're, you know, cute from a distance. I went over there and decided I would take pictures of their goats. And there's something about photographing a subject where like you develop a little bit of a bond with it, not in the same way that you do with your dog or anything else. But there's something about photographing a subject that makes you more connected to it or Mm -hmm. have more positive feelings about it or something like that. I just thought, oh, these goats are so cool. And I got so many neat pictures. And yeah, I think that could be a bonding experience with your dog, even though your dog has no idea what you're doing or that, you know, they've got a beautiful photo. (laughs) I absolutely agree. I mean, every time I pull out my camera, Darwin immediately jumps up, gets super excited, starts drooling. <laughs> he's come to expect like the treats and, you know, the fun of like running back and forth. What I tend to do with Darwin is I'll put him in a, a down stay or a sit stay mm-hmm. and back up, point my camera at him, get ready. And then I'll call him to me and get pictures as he's running, you know? And so it's like a fun game for him. And I think if you're doing it right, I think that is how it would be is, you know, it's while you're playing out in the backyard or while you're taking a walk and and they'll come to expect and love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So fun. And nowadays, if you get good at it, you can get, you know, hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers, which I think everybody with a doodle is hoping for. <laughs> and maybe those, you know, 1% will have a business and a lovely dog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know very little about Instagram, but I have seen some people really grab a lot of followers. Like mm-hmm. I was going to say, actually, <laughs> I do not know what I'm talking about in this. So maybe disregard this, but based on what I've seen, if you are trying to really grow an Instagram following with dog photos, really think about posting photos that you can tag things in like BarkBox or, mm-hmm. you know, like the company that you bought the sweater from or things like that. I think networking on Instagram is a really good way to grow a following. Yeah. Yeah. I see that too. I see, you know, people with brand new puppies who are posting pictures of them before they come home and the things Mm -hmm. they're buying for them and the thing, Mm -hmm. you know, like their, their den preparation and all of this. And very quickly people get excited with them and they make friends and, you know, yeah, it's interesting to see just the difference that social media makes. Well, I so appreciate you being on the Doodle Kisses podcast today and sharing your tips with us. Do you want me to link to your photography business at all? Uh, You could link to my website, Mm camillagomezphotography.com. And I mostly do portraits, but there are some dog photos in there. And I'm at Camilla Bottleberg on Instagram. If you ever wanted to see photos of Darwin, I'm Camilla and Darwin on Doodle Kisses. Awesome. Thank you, Camilla. And have a wonderful week. You too. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Doodle Kisses podcast. If you have any ideas or recommendations for future topics or guests, send me an email at admin at doodlekisses.com.
doodlekisses.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at doodlekisses.com. Also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts so you can have every episode ready to listen to as soon as it comes out. The show notes will link you to our GoFundMe page as well as links to some of the things we discussed in today's episode. Talk to you next time on the next episode of the Doodle Kisses podcast. Thank you.